everything was changing in Central Europe. And I was looking forward to seeing, picking up with old friends again. I was making a real effort to get my Hungarian good this time, which I did. Yes, um, sometimes people used to say to me, who's that Hungarian lady over there? (laughs) That was flattery, I think. (laughs) You can't imagine what it was like to be able to pick up the telephone and phone a friend and not be worried that somebody was listening. That was an extraordinary feeling. Yes, many of our best friends from our earlier stay there in the early 1980s were people who had been dissidents, were hounded by the police and their conversations listened to. And they were now in the ascendancy politically and many of them became ministers and politicians, members of parliament, editors of newspapers. We really ourselves felt enormously excited by the the changes that were taking place. It was a joint effort, really, to get to know as many of the Hungarians who were coming to political prominence with the the changes in the regime, and that was something which both Prim and I did together because we had different circles of friends, of acquaintance, of activity. Many people in Hungarian life, senior people, were women. Having a wife that spoke good Hungarian and was active and interested in the country was a great help to me. You were asking if we saw each other more than normal I mean, couples in other walks of life. I think we probably did. I mean, John would very often be back at lunchtime because we had people for lunch. I just loved seeing him more than at the beginning and the end of the day. It was fun. And also we had things to talk about. Something had come up or a discussion about this, that or the other. I think diplomatic service brought us close together because so many parts of my job, it was very useful to have Prim's company, her advice, and often her views and opinions of the people we met, the situations we were in. We were both very involved in Hungary and what was happening in politics and in the general life, and her perspective was a very useful one for me in my job. I mean, some people say, you married for, for love, is it not for lunch? But I think that's rubbish. We enjoyed seeing each other more than once a day, as they say. Of course, I adore John, but I also enjoy his company, and, um, you know, he's fun and interesting. To talk to one another, obviously more, and to see one another and exchange ideas and not to feel that a whole long day um, has passed and you arrive home, you know, in the evening, exhausted from work, just wanting to flop in front of the telly. Not that I did do that. If we didn't but see we one another... we also had... Interest, we didn't do things together. You played a lot of tennis alone. Mm-hmm. I, I played bridge alone, only once a week. We do lots of things alone as well. But we love being together. I think in our earlier life, I did resent very much your the foreign office life because in those days, it's changed now. Our children were only paid to come twice a year. Very often they didn't come the third holiday because we were too far away and it was too expensive. That's changed now. And I could never be back for half terms, and that was very hard on them. I think one of my children especially, all she wanted to do was have a pony and live in Surrey, and I'm afraid she really didn't like the life very much. I don't suppose she'd have had a pony and lived in Surrey if we'd been in England anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, she, she turned out to be the biggest traveller of them all, so I think in a way that if you've had hardship, hardship in quotes, when you're younger, it's actually proves to be valuable in the end. Yeah, but being separated by enormous distances from your children, by being forced through your job to send them away to school because you're somewhere where there are no schools or no schools in English or a language that will be useful to them later, is jolly hard. It's hard on the children. It's hard on the parents. We were in Afghanistan 
during one of the coups there, the plane that our two of our boys were on was hijacked, I suppose, was diverted and forced to land somewhere. We didn't know where it was. And for a long time, we had no idea what had happened to them. They were, in fact, quite safe. We'd had a nightmare. I think the children quite enjoyed it, actually, because they weren't mistreated at all. But those sort of things, I think, weigh quite heavily on parents, and I would never want again to have to send my children to boarding school. Well, we very much look forward to weekends, and um, we would really groan if, as often happened, the minister decided to come on a Sunday so that he could sightsee before he started work on Monday. So weekends were sacred in that way. We also had a nice private bit of our house where we could go away and almost soundproof, we could scream and shout as much as we wanted to. (laughs) Suddenly I realised that I had perhaps make the conversation, set the ball rolling, things that I'd never... People don't tell you about, but you suddenly discover. And that was a strain, especially with terrifying household names. Um, But then I, I got much better at it, and it wasn't so frightening. You don't often come down to your own sitting room in the evening and find a member of the royal family sitting there. Well, that happened to us quite often. One looked on it as a job... The visitor's side, obviously it was our job to have people to stay and to look after them. The family had to fit in, which they did beautifully, and um, they found it very interesting, I I think. think. I think our children all very much enjoyed being there when we had well-known guests. I mean, I remember one occasion when Mrs Thatcher came, um, we told our youngest son that he'd better buzz off for the evening, and she said, oh, no, no, he must come and sit at the table with his girlfriend. But don't you remember, you told him first that he must put his hair up because at that time he had long hair flowing down to his shoulders. So he put it up in a nice neat bun and that was all right. And it would take his earring out as well, I think. Anyway, he did and Mrs Thatcher was charming to him and um, they had a very nice evening. So um, I don't think we found our visitors an intrusion for our family. No, not at all. Part of the fascination of that life, I guess. Well, I think, actually, we enjoyed very much the same sort of hobbies and recreations and interests in art and music and travel and places, and on the whole, the same sort of people appealed to us. I mean, not I don't think Prim likes all of my friends. Um, I'm not mad keen on all of hers, but I'm not going to say who they are now. <laughs> and I think that that's made life as, a, as an ambassador and his wife, as a team, much simpler. Yes, I, I think that was a, was a good feeling that you were, even though I wasn't earning money doing what I was doing, I did feel I played a worthwhile part in, in his life. I think it, it has been important and I think that although many members of the diplomatic service who are either not married or whose wives choose not to take part or to follow a completely separate career, I think those who have wives, who are with them, who play an active part... First of all, that they enjoy it very much, but also they make um, a great unsung, unpaid contribution to the work of the diplomatic service.